Hey moms, welcome back to another episode of Mom Space. I'm your host, Megan Shacoin, first time stay at home mom, helping other real life moms connect by sharing real life stories. Welcome to a space just for you, mom. They say it takes a village to raise a child. If you're looking to grow your village, stay tuned at the end of this episode for how to connect to this beautiful, inspiring mama. On today's episode of Mom Space, you'll be hearing from Ivy. Ivy had two hospital births. Um, Ivy had me laughing, she had me crying, she had me choking up, nodding along, so you're really in for a treat today. Currently, during the recording of this episode, I am living on the West Coast in California, and Ivy is living on the East Coast in Maine, so we have a three-hour time change between us, and we're both very busy being the best mamas we can be every day. So we weren't able to connect live, but we still had a lot of fun with one another messaging back and forth and putting this episode together for you today. In today's episode, you'll be hearing about two hospital births, as well as Ivy's experience with pregnancy after a loss. If you're not in a good headspace for loss, come back to this story another day. It's truly remarkable the way Ivy tells both of her birth stories and intertwines them, all while keeping it real and raw and telling how she was feeling in her head and in her heart. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some space for yourself, mamas. Hey everyone, as Megan just said, my name is Ivy and I'm so excited to be here talking with you today and sharing my birth story. Um, This is my first time doing a podcast and I can't think of a better one to join than mom space. I'm so passionate about mom supporting and helping moms. It's really true what they say, there ain't no hood like motherhood and I'm just so grateful to be here. I am 27 years old. I live in the state of Maine. I'm married to my husband, Kyle, and together we have two sons. My children are 22 months apart. I have a two and a half year old and an eight month old. And um, together with my husband, we have a few rental properties and I run several Airbnb properties. Plus I have a YouTube channel at home with Ivy. And so I feel like my plate is pretty full most of the time. Um, It is absolute chaos in the very best way. I think honesty is the best policy, so I'm going to talk to you like we're old friends today, and I'm going to share with you the good, the bad, the ugly, and kind of everything in between, but I do want to start with a little trigger warning to let you know that while I do have two healthy, beautiful boys, I have been pregnant three times, meaning I've had a miscarriage, and I'm going to talk about that um, with you today. I won't talk about it in great detail. I think I could spend an hour on that topic alone, so I won't spend too much time on it, but I do want to talk about it. I was battling if I was going to share um, too much about that with everyone today, but that really is a part of me and it's a part of my birth story and it dramatically has affected the way I look at my children and pregnancy and the whole process of being a mom in general. And so it felt like I was lying to myself and definitely lying to you if I didn't um, disclose that. So trigger warning, if I know it's a hard topic to talk about and I know there's a lot of emotion involved, but don't worry, I'm feeling those emotions with you today as we talk together. So seriously, bring all the emotions, the good, the bad, the happy, and we're going to go on this journey together. 
Okay, let's start at the beginning. I feel like that's a good place to start, right? So my husband Kyle and I met in 2013 at the University of Maine, and we got married in August, August 31st of 2019. Um, And at that point in our relationship, we were discussing the idea of having children, and we knew we wanted to. And at that time, like many women in America or, you know, first world countries, I'd have been on birth control for about a decade. Um, For a variety of reasons, young women are put on birth control and I was one of them. And I'd been on birth control for about a decade and I had only really been around women at that point in my life who had struggled with infertility. Um, The first being my stepmother turned adoptive mother, who is my mom in every sense of the word. She is my person. Um, And then at the time, my good friend had been struggling to get pregnant for over a year. So those were the only two women I'd had that were in my inner circle that I really saw struggling with infertility. So I thought, okay, well, I've been on birth control for such a long time, and it obviously takes a while to get pregnant. I'm going to go off birth control um, right when I got married, and we're just going to let my body kind of figure it out, and whatever happens, happens. I had that mindset of I didn't want our intimate life to be about getting pregnant. Of course, that's naive and easy to say when you haven't been trying to have a baby for a long time. You know, fast forward, if it had been nine years, I'm sure it's a very different mindset to be at. That was not my experience though. So we got married August 31st of 2019 and I went off birth control and we just let life take its course. And then I found out I was pregnant on Halloween of this October of 2019. So within a couple of months, I found out I was pregnant. Now, if you know me, you're going to not be surprised with what I'm about to tell you, but I went to my mother and I thought, okay, I think I'm late on my period or I feel like I'm pregnant. You know, I've got some stuff going on. We went and got a test and I was too scared to look at it. And so my mom looked and my mom is actually the one who told me I was pregnant, which um, from the outside looking in, you might think I'm crazy, but if you know us, that's right on brand. Um, So then I went home and I would like to tell you I did something so cute to tell my husband all this, but I just couldn't contain it. And I just showed him the stick and I was so excited. But at the time I was bartending. And so I told him I had Minnie Mouse ears on because I had to go. It was Halloween, um, go to work. And so I had Minnie Mouse ears on. It was Halloween. And I told my husband um, I was pregnant. And, you know, we were both so shocked at how quickly and easily it happened. And that also kind of put a little bit of a, a shadow on my pregnancy in the beginning, which is with my mindset, because it just felt so good to be true. I was like, what's the catch? There's got to be a catch here, right? Because this just doesn't happen all of the time. Like, is could it be this easy? So now the waiting game begins that every woman goes through. You know, you find out you're pregnant, you call your OB, and then you have to wait. You have to wait, I think it's like another four weeks, you know, to get to that appointment. And you're holding your breath to get to that golden appointment where you get to see your baby, make sure there's a heartbeat, and that you're in the clear. And then from there on, it's just full on what is happening kind of mode. Now, I didn't wait any amount of time before I told our close friends and our family. I mean, call everyone on the phones, pictures, Skype, whatever. Um, I didn't do some extravagant gesture and I definitely didn't wait. I didn't even wait until that first appointment um, with our close friends and family. I waited until... Um, I've pretty much, I found out I couldn't wait. I did wait until that first appointment to share it on social media, of course. Um, but I didn't wait till that 12 week mark. Once I got that all clear that there was a heartbeat, I was ready to go. I just couldn't even contain my excitement. Now, in comparison to my second pregnancy, I, um, I 
was a little bit more methodical. And when I found out I was pregnant, I had a dream that I was pregnant. And so I took a pregnancy test and found out I was pregnant. Now, I was not expecting this. I was actually on the mini pill. When you are a breastfeeding mom, you have two different birth control options. Um, I think you have the implant and the mini pill. So I was on the mini pill and it is a, not a hormone-based um, birth control. It basically just thins the lining of your uterus, to my understanding with my doctor, so a pregnancy wouldn't stick. Well, in my case, it did stick. And so I was very surprised, and but I have Cricket at home, and I was like, okay, this time we're going to do something cute. So I made my husband, a sh- like my, I made my son a shirt that said big bro on it, and so when my husband got home from work, uh, I had my son wearing it, and that's how I told him. Now, we were both very surprised because, again, I was not necessarily trying at all to have a baby, uh, but we were excited nonetheless. Now, that same time, I had my son wear that same shirt over to my parents' house, and that's how we told them, and it was a shock of a lifetime. We were very excited. And now in this point, um, I was spoiled. I had had a healthy pregnancy and I had a healthy baby and I was like, okay, this time foolproof. Like I felt confident. I didn't have any of that anxiety of that. This is too good to be true. Like I did with my first pregnancy when I first found out. And so I really was overconfident, I think. And then I went to that appointment and I felt very shell shocked. Um, so I had a baby there was a heartbeat. However, they were small. And so what I had to do is I had to go home and wait. I had to wait a few weeks. They did some measurements and they said, we'll come back in a few weeks. We're going to see what size the baby is and if this is viable, as they told me. They told me out in the hallway that way they were going to see if everything was viable or not. And it was so matter of fact, like she could have told me that she had a turkey sandwich for lunch or the fact that my baby might not be viable. And I feel like she would have had no different facial expressions. Um, And the fact that, again, it was in the hallway, it really was numbing to me because to her, the woman that was telling me this, this was another day at work, probably done it three other times that day. But for me, she had just broken my soul, I felt like. So that was really tough for me. Tough news to hear, tough delivery. So I went home and I just prayed. And in a few weeks, I went back in and um, I learned that my baby no longer had a heartbeat and had stopped growing. So it could be for a hundred different reasons for having a miscarriage or for your baby to stop growing. We're thinking that perhaps because I was on that mini pill, it's designed to thin the lining of your uterus. So the baby doesn't stick, mine stuck, couldn't get everything it needed and therefore stopped growing. We're not really sure. I'll never know. However, I then had to wait again. So they made me wait another week um, to see if my body would figure out that I was no longer pregnant or that my baby had stopped growing. Because at this point, I still felt pregnant. My levels were still showing I was pregnant. So another week passed and I did not have any symptoms of having a loss. So I had to take some medicine to see if that was going to help me um, have you know, progress in my body, um, I guess, essentially get rid of my baby. Um, and that was really tough for me because I felt like I was giving up on my baby and I felt like I was giving up on my body, but you know, you want to hold on to that shred of hope. Like, well, maybe it will work out maybe, but they're telling you, they're looking at scans. You're looking at the ultrasound. You see that there's no longer a heartbeat. And so that was really emotional for me. And all I could think was, what was I doing when my baby's heart stopped beating? And that is something I still think about today. Um, It's really hard. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to think about. And miscarriage is such an ugly word because it's an ugly thing. Um, Everyone handles it differently and everyone thinks about it differently. But that really shaped the way I view 
pregnancy and motherhood and this journey. And so I wanted to talk to you about it a little bit. So with this, I took some medicine. Um, it was some suppository pills and I think it was four of them. And it might've been six, I think four. And, um, I essentially started the process and I woke up and there was blood and, you know, I'll save the graphic details, but it was not quick. I mean, I thought it might be a couple hours. It was like a week long process of this. And I ended up passing what was my very small, you know, unformed baby. And that was really hard because, what do you do? What do you do with that? What are you thinking? You know, that was that that was my birthing experience for this second pregnancy. And with miscarriage, it's not like you're had a baby that everyone met and is mourning with you. It's not like you're in the hospital and your family's coming to visit and you have flowers. Like I felt alone. And it's not that my husband or my mother weren't there for me, but I was alone. And I'll never forget my father-in-law impromptu came to town and wanted to see my family and I was not in it. And so he asked if he could just see my husband and my son and they all three went out to lunch. And I remember sitting there on the couch bleeding and my husband and my son were out to lunch and I was thinking how alone and how broken I felt and that this is where I'm at by myself. And that's kind of how isolating miscarriage can be. Now it's not their fault. That wasn't happening to them. They should go out to lunch. They should, my son shouldn't have been around that. It's not, you know, that it's the in your head, the emotions, you feel broken, you feel like you've done something wrong, or at least I did. And I really struggled with that. Now, after this, my way of healing is I named my baby Casey, they had a heartbeat. So for me, they were a person. Um, and so that helps the healing process. Um, I have a little memorial for them that I can go and see. And that really just helped solidify that they were a person, they mattered, they were loved, because my baby was loved. Now, I ended up getting pregnant again. This is my third time. So my second child, third pregnancy. And this time was really tough for me mentally. So we had about a four-month gap between the end of my loss to when I found out I was pregnant again. And so they were close together, but giving me a little bit of time, but definitely, you know, pretty close together. Now, mentally, I was the completely different person. I really struggled being pregnant. It's not that I didn't want to be pregnant. I did, but I just didn't believe it was going to happen. And I just really couldn't picture myself holding a baby at the end of this. Now, that's a really dark mindset to be in. And I felt like I had a really hard time attaching to my pregnancy. So in terms of telling people, of course, I told my husband and I told my mom and I remember I just told my mom, I believe we're in like the Christmas tree shop parking lot in the car and I just told her this time around there was no cute shirts. I just said, I think I'm pregnant, but we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to celebrate until I know it's okay. And I, that's a, that was it. I just, I didn't want to talk about it. I asked her not to tell my dad, which... If you knew my parents, that was probably really hard for her because they work together, they play tennis together, they're always together. And for me to ask her not to do that, looking back, was probably unfair. But in my mind, the more people I tell, the more people I'm going to have to disappoint all over again to say I wasn't pregnant anymore like I had to last time. So basically, I told my husband and my mom and we just didn't talk about it. I was like, I don't want to talk about it because the more I talked about it, the more I thought I was going to fall in love with being pregnant and fall in love with my baby. And therefore the more broken I was going to be when it didn't work out. So we go to our first appointment and I told myself there's not going to be a heartbeat. And I genuinely felt surprised when I went and I found that my baby had a heartbeat and they were normal. Um, 
And then I got my pictures. And then again, I didn't tell anybody. I just kind of soaked it in. And I kind of kept it to myself, out of sight, out of mind. And we went back for the another appointment, and they were okay. And at that point, I had uh, made my son a shirt again that said B is for big brother. And I took his picture of him wearing that shirt, and I printed them out, and I gave them to our uh, family. And that's how I told them that we were pregnant with baby number three, our son, or excuse me, pregnancy number three, baby number two, my son, my youngest. And that was special and that stayed in the family. And it wasn't until I believe around that like 12, 14 ish week mark that I posted on Facebook. And for that, I did family fall photos. We just held a sonogram, but, um, I went from not even getting to my first appointment to tell all my friends and family to waiting until I was, you know, into that second trimester. And it was just because emotionally I was shattered And I definitely felt like I had been humbled. Like I was so naive in the beginning and I was like, you know what? Pregnancy equals a baby. Yay, yay, yay. And that is not the case. That kind of wraps up how I found out I was pregnant and how I told my friends and family. And of course, now in the age of 2022, social media, because, you know, everything's got to be posted. Trust me, I'm guilty of it. I post literally everything. So that's kind of where I was at. Now, in terms of my pregnancy, the first, second, third trimester, I'm going to move forward. We're going to be just talking about my two successful pregnancies because that's the only two that I obviously can really compare all of the different things. Um, If you have more questions about uh, miscarriage or loss, or if you want to reach out and I'm always happy to listen, support, give advice, um, literally just to let you know that you're not alone, that it's happens you know, you're loved, you're matter, your body, it's not your fault. Um, people love you, support you. Your baby was loved. Let me know. Um, I'm Megan. I'll, she can definitely give my email. If you want to point a contact, um, you can find me online. Um, but seriously, um, it's so important to talk about. It helped me emotionally and I don't think people know enough. And once I shared that I had had a loss and I was pretty public about it, you would be amazed at the amount of people that reached out to me and said, this happened to me. I was so scared to talk about it. So seriously, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm definitely here to listen. Um, But moving on to a little brighter times, everybody. First, second, third trimester, pregnancy with my kids. Okay. So with my oldest, my son, Keegan, that was tough. Uh, It started out great. I was, in terms of, I was really lucky. I had a very healthy baby. Um, measuring great the whole time, very normal, healthy, healthy. Me, on the other hand, to say I was miserable was putting it lightly. Um, I was sick morning, noon, and night, especially just that first trimester into that second trimester. I think it was probably around 25 weeks before I stopped throwing up morning, noon, and night. I was miserable. Um, And then I felt like I kind of was entering a bit of a depression, which was ironic because I was so excited and wanted to get pregnant and have a baby. Um, But then it's the hormones. And when you're constantly not feeling good, I felt like I was having a really hard time emotionally, like, you know, dark room, always wanted to sleep, just didn't feel good, which is kind of like sad. Um, But at the same time, I was so excited and you know, it was my first baby. So of course I did that thing where you take a picture every week with a little sign comparing it to a little fruit and, you know, all of the fun things of motherhood. 
which was dramatically different in contrast to my third pregnancy with my second baby. So from going forward, I'll just say my second baby. Um, I didn't take a single like fruit picture. I never compared anything. I never did the signs. Um, it was definitely more of an in-closeted thing. However, emotionally, while mentally I was nervous and just didn't think about it emotionally I never felt that depression hit maybe it's because I had another little boy that I was so busy taking care of I never felt morning sickness with my second child really um a little bit but not much in comparison to the two pregnancies I felt exponentially healthier and better with my second pregnancy my first um pregnancy I gained about 60 pounds total now here nobody likes a judger okay so if you just gasp you're welcome now you have somebody to not feel, you know, as bad about when you think about yourself, okay? But I gained 60 pounds. Everyone has their own journey. And um, so that obviously probably had a toll on my body. With my second, I gained a total of 10 pounds. So dramatically different. Um, and I could feel it. I could feel the difference. I carried so much differently. Um, I was... I was as wide as I am tall with my first, okay? With my second, um, I was smaller. I could wear my normal clothes most of the time. Um, and I, maybe it was because I was so busy that I didn't have time to feel sick. But I felt like that pregnancy flew by the second time around. But also, keep in mind, I really was trying not to think about it. I have a handful of bunk pictures. I did maternity photos at the end, but if it wasn't for those, I seriously, I just out of sight, out of mind. And I really tried not to think about being pregnant with my second child with my first child everything was fine and dandy um until it was march and i was pregnant so my son uh, was born in june of 2020 and it was march of 2020 when my husband and i were on a baby moon in florida and i very distinctly remember we were sitting um in margaritaville um outside of universal studios and we were having dinner and all of a sudden it came on the speaker that universal and disney and everything was closing starting then tomorrow it would have been a Saturday. This was a Friday night. Was closing, and then we got back to our little condo, and there was a message saying that like room service wouldn't be coming by, and um, if you needed help, like you had to call, and it was all of these things, and it was because of COVID. It was we had not had our phones all week, pretty much, and we got on and saw that like March Madness was canceled, and all these things, and essentially the world was ending. And it was scary. All of a sudden, you know, my mom sent me pictures at the grocery stores of nothing in the shelves. And we were like, should we buy a suitcase while we're in Florida and fill it with like toilet paper? How silly, right? And things like, what could we do? So we get home and, you know, then like the following days, uh, like the New York airport stopped working and it was just absolute wild. And so it was scary for everybody as a person, right? And then it was scary to be a parent. And then it was extra scary to be a new parent and to be pregnant because, I had no idea what was the hospitals going to be like. Do I want to go have birth in a hospital filled with sick people? Like we didn't know what was happening with COVID. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know. We thought maybe two weeks. They were telling us to wash our fruits and vegetables with soap and water and leave, uh, you know, packages out in the garage for a few days. Like it was a scary time. And I remember there was not any food. We weren't sure what was happening with the hospitals. There was no diapers. And I thought, how in the heck am I going to have a baby, take care of a baby and keep them safe and healthy and alive. I don't even know what I'm doing. And now there's a pandemic. And that that started for me around six months. And I panicked. I had anxiety. And I remember my I was home from work because the world was shutting down. And my husband was out working. And he like 
would come home and I would make him take off his clothes in the garage and put them directly down in the washing machine, start it, come upstairs and shower before he could like come into the house and like talk to me. I was just panic. My mom would like spray down our mail with Lysol and I just, I, looking back, I laugh now today, but at the time nobody knew what was going on. So we were going to have a baby shower and then the world ended. So we ended up doing a virtual baby shower, which I felt like kind of took away from the whole excitement of your first baby. So grateful for my friends and family who logged on zoom and sent presents. And seriously, they were a bright light in such a dark kind of moment. And they made sure it was still special for me despite a pandemic. And I'm so grateful for that. But I remember everything was coming in Amazon boxes and I like wouldn't let them in my nursery. I was like, Kyle, you have to like open them in the garage and bring it up and you know, just put a tag, uh, because I was so scared to have mail in the baby's room. I was like, what if, what if something's on it, you know? And of course now we laugh, but so we went to the hospital to have our baby or we were, you know, going to do that. And we've learned that, okay, you can't have, you can have one person. I'm so lucky. I was able to have one person, um, because some States like New York, you couldn't have anybody. So grateful. I could have my husband, but I was broken that I couldn't have my mom. So that was kind of what was happening to me throughout my first pregnancy in terms of the symptoms I had all of them like I was morning sickness I got skin tags which I guess can happen bloody noses headaches um gained a ton of weight and so I was not a glamorous person I was not glowing at all um and I was really worried I was going to get postpartum depression just because of how depressed I was in that first trimester um and so that was definitely playing a factor in the back of my mind. Like, what would I do? What will happen? Now, my second pregnancy, as I mentioned, completely different, gained less weight, symptoms. My pregnancy really was a breeze. I was smaller. And I don't know if it's genuinely because I was just so busy all of the time. I didn't have a half a second to just like take a breath. I just never stopped moving. And I was trying so hard to not think about being pregnant and to not fall in love with my pregnancy. Now, with my first, we decided to find out gender um, pretty as much as early as we could. And so he had, I knew his name was going to be Keegan and I was really attached to him and his room was done by like 20 weeks. And I had like pictures and signs and you know, the whole shebang. The second child, we did not find out who the, um, what gender was going to be. I think at that point I was just humbled and I was like, a baby's a baby. I'm just happy to be here. But I think that also might have played a factor into me not being able to attach to my baby because I didn't know who they were. Like, I couldn't say, oh, okay, their name's going to be Coleman or this is going to be Collins. Like, I couldn't really, you know, visualize them. And I just never really visualized them coming home. And so it was probably around 36 weeks where I really got that nursery together um, because I didn't want a room with a bunch of stuff in it for a baby I wasn't going to have. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's just where I was mentally. That was my life. That's how what I lived. And when I say I got the room ready, I mean like wash the clothes, put them in the drawers, got a crib, you know, dresser, a chair, so on and so forth. But I didn't really like decorate it, to be honest with you. He's almost eight months old and I still have not decorated that room. I've gotten some stuff, but it's a work in progress. We're busy, okay? But um, I just kind of, the difference was, you know, everything's with your first is like, color coordinated and organized and ready and your just possible bags are packed in that second one I just I think the loss played a major factor in that for me but I just was so I don't know I guess like we'll figure it out it's fine like just kind of let it fly by 
overall, I was very lucky. Both my pregnancies were very normal. My children were very normal. The only thing that really shocked me, besides how different my pregnancies were, um, was the size of my children's head. I'm talking 99th percentile. So if you're really, you know, pregnant and you're listening to me right now, just think, I gained 60 pounds. My head, my child's head was in the 99th percentile. The grass is always greener, okay? Seriously, 99th percentile. Like, Wow, big head. I'm talking like at the pediatrician, the nurse coming back to measure my son's head again because she's like, oh, it can't be this big. Oh, nope, it is. Like if an outfit came with a hat, just throw it. Just throw that hat away because it ain't going to fit. Big heads. Um, But other than that, really grateful, normal, you know, 10 fingers, 10 toes, the whole shebang. Um, With my first, they had a couple questions about his kidney um, dilating and I guess sometimes... um, there's issues and more often than not once they're born um they'll go to the bathroom and you know things will look normal so we did have to do an ultrasound on his kidneys and the anatomy scan didn't show that one of his hands so they couldn't guarantee that he had hand which freaked me out you know there's always something right my um second he looked pretty good same thing with the kidneys but they said if you had it with the first you know baby it was probably again the same he was absolutely fine um he ended up having a little bit of a heart murmur he's fine everybody's fine. It's just, there's always something with every baby and every pregnancy. Now, in terms of birth with my first, he, um, everything was fine, healthy pregnancy until about 37 weeks. I went in and high blood pressure. Okay. So I had to come back a couple days later, high blood pressure again. And I was swollen, swollen. I'm talking like drill an extra hole, my Birkenstock swollen. So again, if you tell people this, we're going to, we're going to fight. I told you, we're going to talk like we're old friends. Okay. These are secrets, but, um, so I had to get myself a pair of Skechers and I came back in to get my blood pressure rechecked and it was high. Now they couldn't say it wasn't quite preeclampsia at this point because, um, I didn't have any protein in my urines. Basically it was going, my body was pretty much done being pregnant and, while it wasn't a problem yet, they wanted to troubleshoot before a problem began. So they were like, how do you feel about having a baby? And I'll tell you, the answer was not good. Not good. So with my first, I was induced. And I would like to tell you that this was an easy process for me. It was not. Now, I hate when women try to scare women with labor stories. Everyone's got a, a label story. Some women go in and they sneeze and their baby comes out. And some women are like me. And some people have it worse than me. And you know what? Before I go into details, don't let anyone's scary story uh, story scare you and don't let anyone's story make you overconfident <laughs> because I think I was overconfident, meaning like I just like wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't even bother to do the research. Like I was just like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. Let's have a baby. That's my birth plan. And I still kind of think whatever happens, like let's have a baby. That's my birth plan because at the end of the day, as long as you and your baby are healthy and together, that's all that matters. That's the only birth plan you need is a healthy, happy mom and baby, okay? Don't let anyone, you know, make you feel like your pregnancy is not valid or your labor is not valid. Whatever happens, happens, okay? But with my first, I was induced. It took, I was in labor for three days. Um, so they started me on the Pitocin, you know, all the good stuff, this positive, and um, didn't really, it took a long time, took a long time. And everything I felt like went wrong for me. Like I had to get the monitor, um, the little baby screwed onto the top of his head um, internally because it wasn't uh, working right through the belly. Um, 
I was just so sick and I actually was in so much pain I threw up a couple of times and if you're wondering the million dollar question yes I got the epidural okay they told me nothing was progressing and they were like let's do the epidural you can relax you can work well then we had a problem where it numbed half my body not the other half and so that was a challenge but it did allow me to progress and it got to this point though I've been in labor for days they were like okay we're gonna call it like we're gonna give you another I think it was like an hour and a half or two hours and if you're not progressed, we're going to have to do a C-section. And I just, not that it's not a great way or, you know, a lot of women do it. I did not want a C-section. I was scared. I did not want one. I did not want one. Luckily, they came back in to do another check and I was, I was okay. I was like nine or 10 centimeters dilated and I was able to push. I pushed for two and a half hours and I don't mean like a little bit of warm up. I mean like in it to win it, active pushing for two and a half hours. Um, and it was tough. It was a rough labor. It was tough. But then my baby was born and I finally had that like, like, okay, you can breathe. You had your moment. And I remember asking them to see what my placenta looked like. Well, meanwhile, because I was new and you're just coming off this like adrenaline birth high, my baby, um, got a zero on his Apgar score and that's scary. So I didn't know this at the time, but then an alarm went off and all these people like rushed into the room and were working on my son. And that's when it triggered. And I was like, oh my gosh, like he might not be okay. But by the time I had thought about that and was going through those emotions he was back on my chest and he had gotten an eight on his score so very very grateful um for the staff to that were able to help my baby along and make sure that he you know is this beautiful happy healthy toddler that he is today i had my baby of course in a hospital if you didn't catch along um in maine the um northern light medical right i think they just changed their name but the only hospital in bangor maine okay um so that does babies. So Eastern Maine Hospital, geez, I should probably know that, right? But anyway, so I had my baby at the hospital and um, that was a, I'm so grateful I did because if I would have done a home birth for my first baby, it might not have ended the same way, right? So for me, that was the best choice. That was what worked well for me. Um, with my second son, <clears throat> I literally was so overconfident this time going in. I was like, you know what? this is going to be great. It's the second baby. I'm going to sneeze and they're going to come right out, right? Nope. Was not the case for me. Um, so I was induced again. So with my first, with because my blood pressure was high, they diagnosed it as cro- uh, chronic hypertension is what they called it. So essentially when I was pregnant, my blood pressure would rise. Well, the second time my blood pressure actually didn't get that high. And I would be lying to you if I said I didn't jump the gun in terms of being induced the second time around. From the beginning, they told me we're probably going to let you go to 20, 37 weeks. And then at 37, 38 weeks, we're going to induce you. So I had that in my mind the whole pregnancy, okay? The whole time I was like, okay, so I'm going to have my baby at 37 weeks. I'm going to have my baby at 38 weeks. And so that came around and they were like, well, actually your blood pressure is pretty good. If you wanted, we could wait. And I didn't, I didn't want to wait. I was like, I'm done being pregnant. Like I want to meet my baby. I want to get out of this mental state of, I'm not going to have this baby. Like I want to see who this baby is. And looking back, I feel kind of guilty that I jumped the gun just because I ended up having my baby like 38 and three or 38 and two or something like that. And he's fine and healthy and happy. But, um, I don't know. I just feel like it would have been nice to not have to be induced, you know? Luckily, when I went in to be induced my second time around, I was already in the labor process. I was already dilating. I was already kind of, get, get, my body was already getting ready, which was great because the first time around, I was not at all ready. So that's really sped up the process and it was less of a process. Um, however, <clears throat> just like anything, my labor stalled. It was, um, I was trying so hard to go without the epidural and I think I made it till about seven 
centimeters, eight centimeters. And I was like, finally, they were like, I think your body's stalling. Like, we think if we do this epidural, we'll help you relax and you can do this. I was worried because last time, I don't remember, I'd only numbed half my body. We ended up shutting it off. And then I was there for that whole ring of fire moment, right? So the second time around, we did the epidural. It worked actually the way it should. Um, I just struggle with that because it obviously paralyzes you from the waist down and the thought of like your brain telling your legs to move and your legs not moving really made me struggle. But um, got the epidural and that really helped me progress. And then we panicked because I went from like an eight to a 10 very quickly. And they were like, we're not sure if the doctor's gonna get here. (laughs) So I was pushing. And this time I actually pushed for about two hours. However, I had to keep stopping because my baby's heart rate was dropping. Like going from like the 150s down to 30, like dropping. And it was scary because they had NICU prepped. They had, um, the OR prepped. Like everybody was like, I think, you know, when you give birth, it should be like an intimate thing. Like a couple of people. I had like an audience of no joke, like 20 people in there, um, getting ready to take our, (laughs) to take my baby, take me. And that was scary. And they offered me a, because I was pushing and then the baby was going right back in. Now, in hindsight, it was because my son had a very short umbilical cord, but at the time we didn't know that. So it was taking forever and they're like, we can try a vacuum, but if it doesn't work, we have to rush you to the OR. And I was like, I don't want that. Like, I want to push. Like, I will push. Like, I'm not scared. Like, I will sit here. I will push if you think it's okay. So they watched me and I was able to push. It took about two hours and have another successful vaginal delivery. My son came out, got a great Apgar score right off the bat. That was great. Um, however, I was passionate about delayed cord clamping. So when they took, when my baby was born, they put him on, they could only put him like to my belly button. That's how short his umbilical cord was. So the problem was he was attached to such a short cord that every time I was pushing and he was getting close, he was being sucked back up. And so because of how short his umbilical cord was, they tested it and I guess he had like acid in his blood. And so there was a bunch of red flags. And so they were like, well, he should have something kind of like wrong. There should be something wrong here because of what was going on with his cord and the blood. But they kept testing him, testing him, testing him. And he was passing all of his tests. He was doing great. So we were able to go home. He was with me normal. And that, once I got over the births of my children, right, that's when the real adventure begins. So I've just had a baby. We're back to baby number one. So I've just had baby number one. I'm in the um, in our room. And by the way, in Bangor, the delivery rooms to post-op, talk about a freaking drop. Holy smokes. The delivery room is like this beautiful, sweet river view. And then the post-op, you're like in a closet somewhere. <laughs> it was not good. I, it's not good. To be honest with you, I don't love post-op at the Bangor hospital here, um, Eastern Maine Medical Center. I, I just thought the care was exponentially less than, um, labor and delivery, to be honest, labor and delivery, 20 out of 10 post-op, six and a half out of 10. Um, but at that point I had stitches up the wazoo. Okay. For my, after my first baby, what do they say? Hootie to booty. Yeah. So that was not good, but, um, it was just amazing because you're new, you're trying to figure out your life. And I remember like I hadn't showered, like we were all a mess and just learning this like new person and the amount of times the nurses come in and check on you and they're showing you how to change diapers and okay, this is the black, you know, all the different things that are going to happen. And he didn't latch very well. So I remember I was syringe feeding him and pumping. I couldn't get my son to latch very well. And I was scared to like over ask the lactation nurse. because You know, they come in, they check on you, but they don't have a lot of time to spend with you. Right. And I just like, didn't want to be a bother. That was my thing. I didn't want to be a bother. I didn't want to be a bother. Um, and 
that was kind of the mindset I had, but we were learning and I had all the little blocks and I had his name blanket and that was so fun. I just remember, you know, those newborn snuggles and they're so sweet and so small. Um, and then we had to stay an extra day just because he had to get that ultrasound on his little kidneys. Um, but that was a really special time in the hospital. Now, if you remember, it was during COVID, so I couldn't have my mom or anybody there. At the beginning, I was devastated by that. I like couldn't imagine doing this. In hindsight, not that I'm not glad she couldn't, not that I'm glad that she couldn't be there. Um, but that time with just my husband was so special with our baby. Really, really nice um, bonding time, just taking it slow. You know, you're in a diaper, you're healing, which by the way, 10 out of 10 re- recommend getting those like disposable underwear, like depends things over those bulky pads and hospital underwear. That's like my biggest tip, by the way, for postpartum. <laughs> but um, that was special. You know, you're like not, you're a hot mess yourself and you're just, you want to be with your baby. You want some privacy. And that was really special. I, I really, really cherished that time. Um, and then with my second son, it was so funny the way the difference is. Like when it's your second, um, I think I saw the nurse a couple of times, you know, very in and out, um, didn't have nearly as much, you know, peeking over you. And I had such a different wave of confidence. I was like, I know what I'm doing and I can do this. And I felt so proud of myself when my lactation nurse came in to check on me to see if I needed any help. And I had my son propped up on a pillow nursing and I was eating a piece of pizza. I was like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? And that was just the second motherhood. You know, I, I, this time around, I was like, I brought my noise machine with me. I brought, you know, the right swaddle I liked. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just have that new vote of confidence and you're like, I can do this. And I really believed in myself. Like once I saw that I had that second baby that I really didn't picture having, um, it was such a euphoric moment when they were like, it's a boy and he was healthy and he was here and I really couldn't believe it. And it just was such a, I just can't even put it into words. Grateful, amazing moment for me because when his heart rate was dropping and they had NICU in there and the C-section, you know, was on the table, I just thought this is exactly how it's going to go. Like my baby would die right now. This is exactly how it's going to go. I wasn't surprised at all. This is what I was expecting. And I'm so grateful to say that's not what happened. He's here. He's healthy. And in the hospital that second time around, it was just such a different experience because I believed in myself and I was confident and I was confident in who I was now as a mother and I was confident in my ability to be a good mom to this new baby. Now, in terms of postpartum with my first, it was rough. I was really sore. I had a bunch of stitches and then... um you know, you're just kind of a mess. And I remember um, we had, you know, someone, you know, the social media world had a baby, um, their second, right the next day as I had mine. So we went home on the same day. And I remember they posted like they'd gotten up and made like a healthy omelet and whatever. And I remember waking up and I had no idea what time it was. And the only reason we knew the time we turned the TV on, the price is right was on. And I was like, that means it's 11 a.m. And I was like, oh my God, we haven't let the dog out. We haven't even fed him. Do we still have a dog? Like, you know what I mean? And I, I remember my husband's like, what do you want to do for breakfast? I'm like, I think there's a leftover whoopie pie on the counter. Like, that's where we were at. Okay, you're the new mom. You don't know what the heck is going on. And so I was just laughing in comparison to my second born. I mean, we were up dressed. So everyone's ready by 7 a.m. We've got a toddler. We're making breakfast. Like, you're on the go. You're on an errands. Like, you don't really, you just roll with it. You don't have many opportunities to skip beats there. You know, you got to keep going. Um, With my first, it was a little different because we hadn't even really walked through the door yet, um, gotten the dog from doggy daycare and gotten the door and my family was like in the driveway. So, I mean, understandable only child, first grandchild, everyone wants to meet him. Um, so 
that was different, which also helped make that hospital time so special because that was pretty much the last time you have by yourself for a while. Everyone wants to meet that new baby, which COVID, it was really scary. Some people were recommending not letting anyone see your babies for the first three months. That was just not something I could do. I just, you need a village. I needed my mom. She couldn't be there in the hospital. I'm like, she can't not meet this baby. Um, we did have our family wear masks when they met our baby. That was just something that we chose to do. Um, I already felt bad enough as it is by letting people come over because they recommended you don't do that, but you know, what's that life? So, um, everyone came over, met our baby, got to see him. I was so sore. Um, but that's, that's life. You know, with the second baby, I was able to like, I didn't tear. I know that don't, don't sleep on that oil guys. Okay. But I did not tear. And so that was huge. Like I felt great. Like I came home and I sat on the floor, was playing with my son. Like I honestly to God, like it took me 24 hours and I was like, I felt good. Like back in it. Like I, my body felt great. That second pregnancy for me, a dream in terms of my body. Like I felt so much better. My healing process was so much quicker, so much easier. Um, and it was so nice. Of course, you're not alone with your baby once you get home because you have a toddler. So that was the learning curve for me. Wasn't on how to be a parent to the new baby. I knew how to do that. It was to learn how to be a parent to both a toddler and a baby and make sure that everybody's getting enough. Everyone gets what they need. Everyone's cup's full, but also to make sure that my cup was full. Now, in terms of postpartum, I was very fortunate. I did not get postpartum depression with either of my children. However, I did get postpartum anxiety with my first. I don't know if that was postpartum anxiety or just that I was new mom anxiety. But either way, I remember the pediatrician. It was like an eye-opening moment for me when she like made some comment or like recommendation. I thought there was pills I could take. And that really like threw me back because I had a lot of questions. Now, I didn't love that. I thought that was really um, rude. I that seriously, it still pisses me off. And I'm like, I he's like, that was like two and a half years ago. Um, but I did have a lot of questions, but I think it's because I didn't know, like, I didn't know what I was doing. And I think that it should be okay for moms to ask questions, you know, but, um, I never took them. <laughs> I didn't think I actually didn't go, you know what I mean? Like I was fine. I just was panicked. I was always scared. I was going to do something wrong with my first, you know, is he okay? Is this normal? Is this rash? Okay. Like you know, this is color of a spit up. Okay. This is what this, this poop looks like today. Like they're such a different world, you know? And the second time around, you're like, oh, they're fine. Like, oh, the dog licked their mouth. Oh, it's good. It's fine. It's germs. You know, versus the first one, you're like, oh my gosh, like, do we sterilize the binky? The second one, you're like, oh, it's dropped on the ground. Just lick it. It's good. Like, it was just the different mindsets for me. Um, one thing that was really tough and different between the two was feeding. So, um, I really wanted to do breast. I really wanted to breastfeed my, breastfeed my babies. Um, I don't know if you remember from the earlier, you know, I've been rambling now forever, but the, my first son did not latch. And so we syringe fed him and then I started pumping and I was exclusively pumping, which was a commitment, a job and a hardship and a blessing all at the same time. It consumed my time. I mean, there's a clock on your pump. I was pumping six plus hours a day. Like it was tough. It was tough mentally. Um, and in the beginning, you know, you're getting up your supply. So I was bottle chasing as in like, if my son needed a bottle, like, okay, I had to pump to be able to get that bottle. And I couldn't like go out and do fun things without my pump because if I wasn't pumping, my son wouldn't have food for later. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I could bring bottles on the go, but then he wouldn't have anything for later. And if I was like leaking, I was like in tears because I was like, this is wasted ounces. This is wasted milk. Um, and it was sad because like, for example, people would get to go hold my baby and then I'd have to be isolated like upstairs 
pumping so my baby could eat while everyone else got to play with him. You know what I mean? Like it was such an isolating thing having to do that all the time. Um, but I was very fortunate. Eventually, like I was no longer doing that bottle, you know, chasing thing because there'd be times my husband would be holding my baby and he's crying, waiting for me to be done pumping so I could feed him. Um, that was really, really tough. It was not easy. It was very, very tough to be an exclusive pumper. However, I had such an oversupply at the end. I was lucky that I was able to donate milk to local moms and have such a freezer supply. My son was on breast milk until he was about two. So really grateful in that aspect. Now, going into my second pregnancy, I knew I would not be able to be an exclusive pumper. There's no way I was going to be able to sit on the, you know, and pump six hours a day with a toddler running around. That was just not going to happen. I had no choice. He was going to have to latch. And so I, second time around, was confident. I was like, I'm not leaving this hospital until I can nurse upside down, sideways, on the go, whatever. Like, I am going to ask questions and I'm going to get the help I need. And he latched right away. I did ask a few questions, but when that, you know, when the the nursing woman came in, I was already kind of doing it and making it work. And I'm very lucky for that because that completely changed the dynamic of my postpartum. Um, I didn't have any of that isolation, that loneliness, the stress. Like I can't even put into words the amount of stress I felt trying to be an exclusive pumper versus just being able to breastfeed my baby. What a blessing to be able to do that. Like it just, I know it doesn't happen for everybody. I know it's not easy for everybody. I've been there. I've cried on the floor. Okay. I've been there. I've been upset. How am I going to feed my baby? What's happening? We've all been there. And every, whether you formula feed, breastfeed, exclusive fed, you know, all that matters is that your baby's fed at the end of the day and that you're happy. Your mental health matters. Your mental health is worth something. And I think a lot of times we don't think about that. Like if they pushed mom's mental health awareness as much as they push birth control at that six week postpartum visit, what a beautiful world we'd live in. You know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, hi, how are you? Let's talk about birth control. Are you on birth control? What do you want to do for birth control? And it's like, okay, but like, can we like, let's talk. Like, how are you? Are you able to shower? Like, how are you feeling? Do you feel connected with your partner still? Are you able to have relationships with your friends still? Like, do you feel like you have a world outside of your baby? Like, are you getting enough sleep? Are you able to go to the bathroom? That's the things that moms need, you know? And if you're a friend and you're going to have a baby soon, you know, you're probably not listening to this if you don't have children. But, you know, it's not that I don't want people to bring presents for the baby. I get it. But, like, when I have friends that have children, like, those babies are getting enough. Like, let's get that mom um, a massage. Let's get that mom a coffee. Let's get her something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people are so quick to check in on the baby and that mom is, like, last on the list. And now that I've been through it, it's like, that mom needs help too. That mom needs support too. Like that mom is also a new mom, just like that new baby's a new baby and needs love and support. That mom needs love and support. And I think we as a everybody, community, country, world need to focus in on making sure that women are supported because that's how that baby survives. If that mom's not happy and healthy, that baby is not going to be happy and healthy either. You know, like they go hand in hand. Um, as far as hardships, the exclusive pumping was the really hard thing for me in terms of my first baby that not knowing what the heck I was doing. You know what I mean? Although it doesn't matter if you have an 18 year old and 10 kids, like we all are seriously, we're all just winging it. We're just living on a prayer over here. Don't let anyone fool you different. If the, if you meet a mom and she's like, nope, I have it all together all the time. I believe in myself. Everything's peachy cool. Seriously, she's fake. Don't be friends with her. <laughs> like, I mean it. If anyone tells you that it's all good all the time, don't believe them. Run for the hills. Um, my second, what was hard for me, um, was time management, making sure that both kids got enough. I'm an only child. So 
I really couldn't fathom like, okay, how am I going to make sure my toddler is still doing what he did? Like, how can I make it so his schedule doesn't change? But how can I make it that this baby's okay? My next hardship with my second was that he would not let me put him down for the first two months of life. And I mean, he screamed all of the time. No, I'm not being dramatic. He screamed all of the time for two months. If he was awake, he was screaming. I wore him strapped to my chest and like I'm a little Moby wrap for two months of his life, 13 hours a day. I'm not kidding when I tell you 13 hours a day, he was strapped to my chest. I didn't even take him off for naps. Like I couldn't, if I went to put him down, he screamed. My mother couldn't help me. My husband couldn't help me. He would not even go to them. And that was really hard. I remember crying in the bathroom telling my husband, I'm like, I don't know if I love him. And I know you're thinking, how could you ever say that? But I told you we were going to be old friends and I was going to talk to you like I would an old friend. Honestly, he's the best policy. And that's where I was. I was like, oh my gosh, like, what have we done? Have we ruined our other son's life? Like my little boy was going, Coleman, stop it. Coleman, wah. Like he was just, it was so tough. And, but you know what? We got through it. And then he turned two months old, click of a switch. I can't even put into words. Night and day, a different baby. Today, I'm very lucky to say he's a very happy, social, loving, smiley baby. It's because he got all the crying out in the first two months of his life. I'm telling you, I got my butt handed to me. Like it was, it was a process. Like it was tough. But you know what? I got through it. And if you're thinking that you have something similar going on, I promise it won't last forever and you will get through it too. Some things that I think I wish I knew before being a mom or now that I would do differently or the way I see it with fresh eyes. In terms of the hospital, they work for you. You don't work for them. If you want the peanut ball, get it. If you want the bouncing ball, okay. Like if you want, don't let them force you to lay in bed. If you want to try a different position for birth, do it. If you want, you know what I mean? Like don't be scared. Like advocate for yourself. Fight for yourself. Fight for your happiness in terms of pregnancy. Do what you think is best. And when it comes to advice, especially from random little ladies at the grocery store, smile and say thank you. Um, but take it all with a grain of salt because every baby and every mom is different. And it's so important that you know that just because it didn't work for you or them doesn't mean it's going to work for you or won't work for you. You know, like, I don't know, like, they're like, oh, well, in my day, we used to put potatoes in our socks to make that would take the sickness away. Like, okay, great. If you've tried everything at the grocery at the store and nothing's working, great. Put potatoes in your kid's socks, but don't do it if it makes you uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, do what you think is best and just let it go and just know that you can't control everything and it's going to happen. Um, for me, I struggle because like I am not medical. So therefore you trust in the people that are giving you advice and that's not always the best thing. And so I struggle with trying to figure out, for example, my son needed another lead test, my older one, and they did an, um, an IV in the arm and intravenous one and, um, to get the blood and they missed four different times and it was a traumatic experience and it was horrible, absolutely horrible. And the next time I went in for something else, the nurse was like, why wouldn't they've just done a finger drip? And the thing is at the time I didn't know any better at the time. I wasn't like, Oh, why? I didn't challenge you. You believe in who the doctors and what they're telling you, you know, you don't challenge it. And so if it doesn't feel right to you and it doesn't feel good in your mom gut, speak up. Don't let them belittle you and make you feel dumb. Speak up. It's okay. It's your job to fight for your kids. Don't let anyone make you feel bad. That's something I wish I knew. And you know what else? Something I wish I knew or had more confidence before, especially with the first boundaries. It's okay to set them. If you don't want someone to show up at your house, let them know. If you want time to shower, let them know. If you want your husband to be more present or if you say, you know what, I don't feel good or whatever, speak up for yourself. If you don't want people to kiss your kid or kiss them on the hands, 
let them know. It's okay. It's okay. At the end of the day, you're the mom and it's your job to protect your kids, whatever that means. And in terms of protecting your kids, you know what else you need to do? Protect yourself. Make sure that you are a priority. I, someone told me once, and it's the best advice I've ever gotten. Your kids do not need a perfect mom. They need a happy mom. Your kids are not going to be happy if you're not happy. You are the heart of that home. And if you're not balanced and if you're not happy and if you're not taken care of, nobody else is either. And it's so hard to prioritize yourself. That is something I started doing. So, for example, I change my clothes every day. Now, I think you're thinking, what? But, like, when you're a stay-at-home mom and you have a newborn, it's so easy to stay in your pajamas. You know what I mean? I get up. I make my bed every day. I put fresh clothes on. And then I get my kids. I prioritize myself. I brush my teeth. I put deodorant on. Now my son's older and he wants me to play. I say, okay, great. I would love to read that book to you. I've already read it twice. Mommy's going to get herself ready and then I'll read it to you again. I set boundaries now and I say, okay, we've already done this. You know, we've played trucks. Mommy's going to eat something because you got your belly full and now your belly feels good. Mommy's is empty. Mommy needs to eat something too. And that's good. Your kids need to see you taking care of yourself. Your kids need to see you prioritizing yourself. That's what I do. I say, Mommy needs a minute. If I'm stressed out or whatever, mama needs a minute, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And it's good for them to see you investing in yourself. And I think it makes me more organized as a mother. It makes me feel better. Um, That's just what I do. I have a routine. That's just how I take care of myself. I let my kids see it. I need a minute. I need to do this. Um, Because I remember like with my first, like it would be four o'clock in the afternoon, my husband would get home from work and I'd still be in my pajamas. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what's even happened? And now like today before 9am, I'd already gone to doggy daycare, gone to Walmart, gone to the post office with two kids. You know what I mean? Like you just get there. My favorite resources, I think besides like my mom and you know, your family is first of all, taking care of babies is absolutely amazing. I love her page. But I love her sleep. Um, I don't do sleep training. I do sleep training, but I don't do the cry it out method. Everyone's got something that works. Everyone's got their own opinion. That just doesn't work for me and my family. However, I do like a lot of her tips, like the sound machine, the swaddle. The swaddle is king around here. Um, Or the sleep sacks and just sleeping tips in general. I really like that kind of stuff. Um, I On Instagram, I do like nutrition for littles and feeding littles. We do baby led weaning here. So I like looking at different food guides. Um... And that stuff's all really fun, but the best resource you have is truly the people you trust around you, you know? Like, I don't care how old they are. People have been having babies for thousands of years, and so I love, like, when your great-grandmother wants to give you advice on your babies or whatever, listen to Mima, okay? Listen to what she's got to say. She had probably 10 of them. She's got to know something, and you might not be like, you know, there's some stuff you're talking to, like, eh, we're probably not going to do that, but then there's some stuff that you're like, ah, yes, that's great, you know? And that's okay. Everything changes, everything evolves, but like, just take it all in and take it with a grain of salt. And really the last thing I really want to tell you is I'm a mom of two. I run a business, um, and I have a pretty good life and I'm very fortunate for that. However, I want to let you know, it took me about six months before I felt really confident as a mom of two, before I felt like, okay, my laundry's all caught up, my house is prepa- like clean most of the time, all the errands are run, my toddler's doing a bunch of sensory activities, he's getting what he needs, my baby's happy, my baby's napping well, my baby's sleeping, we're all getting what we need. I feel like my relationship with my husband's back to normal, that we're you know in a good spot, we're communicating again, I'm, we're making time for each other, um, I'm able to connect with my friends again and really you know talk to them and be something other than just a mom. 
Um, it took me six months. It took me six months to get to this place where, okay, everything's together. Everything's back to normal. I mean, it's a new normal. It's never going to be the way, the way it was, but it took me six months to really feel like I had my shit together, you know? And so if you are ha- about to have another baby, give yourself time and give yourself grace. Okay. You're changing your life, your family's life. And it's amazing to be a mom if you think about it like if you're upset or you're hurt who do you call like if you think about one stable one constant relationship in your life for many people if you're lucky it's your mother and what an amazing empowering thing that is to be someone's mom to be someone's safe place someone's security blanket to be somebody's they need you and your kids when they're little they're never going to love you more than they do today you know every day is a little bit less because they're getting a little bit more independent and they need you a little less and so look I'm tearing up thinking about it but it's so cool to be that for somebody and I truly truly love being a mom but you know what I also love being a friend and a wife and a daughter and I love just being the random girl with a Starbucks in her hand shopping at Target by herself like You can have so many different roles and be equally valued in all of them. And I think that's important to remember. And, you know, I try to put myself first in different facets. So I started a hobby and I have a YouTube channel now. And so that's one way I put myself first is I edit videos. And I now have someone that comes. Luckily, my mother-in-law is amazing. She comes one day a week um, and helps me with my kids. I'm still home, but that's how I put myself first. I said, you know what? Now that I run the business and I have the kids, life's crazy. I want one day where I can catch up on some stuff, work on my YouTube channel, um, shower, clean, whatever. And that's how I put myself first. And today it was small. I got myself um, a turkey sausage, egg and cheese on an English muffin at Dunkin Donuts. And normally I don't. Um, I just get a coffee. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a breakfast sandwich today. So you know what? At the end of the day, you're worth the breakfast sandwich, okay? It's worth it. You're worth it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and listening to me talk. Seriously, I feel like I spilled some tea, shared some secrets. If you tell anybody how much weight I gained or that I didn't know if I loved my second baby, I'll deny it, okay? (laughs) I will deny, deny, deny. Um, I really mean it. This has been so much fun. Mom space is such a great way for moms to get together judgment-free and hang out and learn about each other and their favorite resources. And my advice to you, my last ending note is you're worth it. Make sure you're a happy mom because your kids need a happy mom and do whatever it takes. Be ruthless in the pursuit of your happiness and your children's happiness. Set boundaries and that's okay. If it makes other people uncomfortable, that's their problem, not yours, okay? You're a great mom and your kids are so lucky. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Ivy, I want to thank you for coming on Mom Space. Your personality just shined in your episode. You're so much fun to listen to. Um, You keep it raw. You keep it real. You're so inspiring. And I know many moms are going to want to connect with you. So if you'd like to connect with Ivy, she can be found on Instagram at I-V-Y-D-E-A-N-N-E. Her YouTube channel is at home with Ivy. Again, her name is spelled I-V-Y. Or if you're ever in the greater Bangor, Maine area and you're in need of an amazing Airbnb, her Airbnb business is called At Mainstay Cottages. Thanks again, Ivy. And thanks, mamas, for coming to a space that's just for you. Have a great day.